normally very good friends and talkative people we would ride back home in just utter silence by the end of by like <laughs> six days in and it, it wasn't out of any hard feelings toward each other we were just yeah. so drained hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the summer tech podcast today we are joined by Stephen Fink, the founder of SummerTech. Hello, hello. And Ben Ehrlich, who needs no introduction and has no title. So good to be here, man. To get us started, have either of you seen any stories about tech in the news this week or anything sort of on the top of your mind? Microsoft just bought like a whole bunch of companies, and that's going to be interesting in gaming. All gaming companies they bought. And the big one is Bethesda. Yeah, that's the one I'm excited about, at least. You're confident that with all of the issues that Bethesda has and all of the bad press they get, you think Microsoft will do a better job? Microsoft's got a bad rep because of the whole rare thing, but I think they're a pretty good company, and I think The Elder Scrolls is in good hands. What I'm talking about Bethesda, the only thing I care about is The Elder Scrolls. I think this really could be changed to a uh, Skyrim podcast. <laughs> but that's Fallout too, right? They're Fallout? Yeah, Fallout. Yeah, and... they're Fallout as well. So, I think, I think yeah. Microsoft Gaming in general has done a good job, right? I, I don't necessarily see anybody complaining about where Minecraft is and the state of that. Right? I mean, I have an Xbox. There you go. Say no more, folks. I mean, I, I did have the PlayStation and I switched. I don't know why. I think I just donated my PlayStation to camp and then thought, hmm, what about an Xbox? And then bought that. But I only really play one game and I, I don't play that much anymore. So not the gamer I used to be. I told you guys this in person, but the listeners of the podcast who were waiting with bated breath to get the update do not know. So um, I'm building this computer and I was waiting for my brother to bring me the CPU that fits with the motherboard and he brought it to me after waiting like a couple weeks and I'm very excited. I take it out, I go to put it in and it's about half of the size of the slot <laughs> and I realized that he has not brought me the CPU to the computer. He's brought me the CPU for my grandma's old laptop. So that was just not going to work. So that was about a week ago. Today in the mail, I've got my CPU. Interesting mislisting on Amazon. It was the Xeon i5, which isn't a thing that exists, but I went for that one because it sounds cool. So you got everything you need? Everything I need. Come Saturday, I'm getting this puppy going. You know, only in your house would you find your grandma's CPU. Whenever someone gives me tech, I say, maybe I'll have some use for this. So I take the <laughs> stuff out of it. Like, here's this DDR1 RAM. This is really going to come in handy when I get my next you know, IBM ThinkPad. So so when do you anticipate uh, putting this all together and starting up? Probably tomorrow night or this weekend. Nice. I'm so excited. And and what's the first game you're going for? Maybe Someone Man's Sky. There you go. I also want to appreciate the fact that you started out that story by pointing out that you had told Steve and I already, and we still live reacted when you said <laughs> that game brought the wrong component. We still gave yeah. the exclamations a surprise. There's a little bit of new information in there for us, so that was that was, was interesting. But that's very cool. It is a fun game. I popped into it yesterday. My, my little world where I built my little resort uh, has changed dramatically. It's pretty cool. But I would, uh, if it were me, if, well, I am me, aren't I? Uh, if I could do what I wanted, I would do the sort of, uh, I don't know if it's, it's, it's haptic or whatever, but you can do VR No Man's Sky without the helm. Like, I wouldn't want to do the helm. Like, I don't want to be sitting there with, a, with goggles on. But you can do everything with your arms, which is cool. And like, when you're in your ship, you don't see, you see your controls are in front of you, but they don't move. But apparently when you strap all that on, hands show up and it is doing everything. But just, you know... 
go all out on graphics because man it is gorgeous i definitely do not have the hardware to go all out on graphics i think we'll, i just we'll scrape it. above i, I have um, sell grandma's cpu <laughs> I, I took out the motherboard from the case that i'm building this in it was my friend's old xps from like 2008 and i'm putting in the motherboard of a computer i built in like 2014 so maybe i'll sell the ddr2 ram and the pentium cpu for for high profit on the black market. Well, I think you'll enjoy the game. It is a time sink for sure. Maybe I'll just play World of Warcraft instead. You know, I don't know if I can devote that kind of time to a game. Let's do it. No. <laughs> I'll tell you what I want to talk about in gaming. Uh, this Among Us game seems to be taking over right now, right? It seems to be the hottest game right now. Have, you, have either of you played Among Us? I have not tried it yet. It, it, and it is like PC, right? I see it on the phone, but I don't want to play it on the phone. Like I can get it on Steam. Yeah, it's PC and mobile, but not Mac. Okay, well then I'm out. Look <laughs> <laughs> at that. Yeah, it's a shame. But you can, if your Mac is like up to date enough, you can get a program BlueStacks and play the sort of mobile version on your computer and the experience is But I can't play it through it. Wine? You could give that a try. Because it's probably not very... It's five bucks. You could have... No, I don't mean that. I mean just intensive, right? It's probably pretty low graphical. I'm talking like I know anything. (laughs) Just making up words now. It's not that uh, resource intensive, no. It's a a lot of fun. There's actually been some pretty recent news in the Among Us sphere where they had been announcing that Among Us 2 was, you know, going to come out in like a year and a half time or something like that and come with new features and stability updates and stuff like that. And they ultimately just yesterday canceled Among Us 2 and said they would just release those features in Among Us 1. How do you feel about that? It made me nervous. You know, I I have now some bad experiences with remastered games. You know, (laughs) I don't want this to be Among Us Reforged. So (laughs) can we talk about Warcraft Reforged just for a minute? Yeah, Ben. Just for a second. Please. How do you take a beloved game that is working, that has a community, and just rip it apart? How do you do such a bad job making a game look nice that you make it unplayable? Pretty insane. It's horrible. It looks terrible, it plays horribly, it's invasive, and it's like 30 gigabytes. And even if you don't have the Reforged version, you still have to download like 30 gigabytes of files. You know, the amazing thing about Warcraft 3, The Frozen Throne, and and the original were how well optimized these games were. You know, like part of their endurance and, and its spread and why people were able to make all these custom maps and stuff like that is because this game could run on everything, you know? And it's remarkable that the remastered has just turned this, what is it, 20-year-old, well-optimized game into... Flaming garbage. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did I did download it, and I, I don't know why I just got like two seconds in. I haven't really given it a real try. But... uh I also didn't want to after talking to you about it. I'll tell you what I'm excited about is the idea that maybe the Warcraft 2 movie comes out because it's a little little summer tech history. We had a little party when Warcraft the movie came out and I rented a theater and we all sat there and watched it. It was really beautiful. It was, but I think I was so, because I was the host of this thing, I could never really relax and get into it. So I feel like I didn't really watch the movie until it came out on cable or wherever I found it. And then I dove in. It's really good. Like it I, It's strangely good. Like I don't get why people are panning this movie so much. I don't think they're really watching it or they're, or they're just coming into it with an eye roll already. It's also, I have one of those TVs that can do 3D, and which is amazing, but it's also terrible now because nothing really offers 3D anymore. There's just like a few things. I think a PlayStation does. 
but uh, Voodoo does, V-U-D-U, and Warcraft, uh, the movie in 3D is available there. Let me tell you, that changes everything. That's really cool. Yeah. that I love that movie. I've seen it several times now. It's damn good. It also really, I'm also one of those people that sort of is, is lazy and doesn't get into the lore enough. So while I played Warcraft for years, I never fully understood the lore. So watching the movie really kind of helps with all that. I feel like if you have no concept of Warcraft lore and you saw that movie, you would be wildly confused. And yes. I think that's probably where the negative reviews come from. Yes. I mean, there's nothing more thrilling than the first time they fly into Stormwind and it's yeah. this real place. You're like, oh my God. Yeah, that is awesome. And to see the main characters that you've known for so long come alive and, you know, have emotions is, is fun. I was more of a Warcraft lore person when I was playing Warcraft 3 than World of Warcraft lore, but it was very exciting. I think now playing World of Warcraft or having played it, I would have more of an appreciation too for the movie and seeing those places like, you know, get that reaction when you see Ironforge and right. stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, because back in the day when World of Warcraft came out, I mean, you're spending days of your life in Stormwind and Ironforge. They barely even touch Ironforge in the movie, which is a bummer. But um, they do it's a cool moment when it does show up. Yeah, yeah. And it's just right, too, right? He's sitting there by the forge. Yeah, you can right? recognize where he is. Yeah, you spend so much time in a game like that, you, you really, it becomes a, a real world to you. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. You have, like, memories of being at certain places in a game is just bizarre. I was just excited by the Harvest Golem. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, in the movie? Yeah, yeah, in the movie. They go to Westfall at one point. There is. I didn't see now I got to watch it again. Yeah, there's there's a there are some Harvest Golems as the orcs are invading Westfall. Yeah, but they're... is there anything worse than starting a new character and getting to that quest? Is there just anything like it's just like, oh god, they're going to do these guys again. Old Blanche's feedback. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Westfall is like lovely and I have great memories, but doing it every time is like, okay, here we go. I mean, Warcraft is not a, World of Warcraft is not a fun game until Wrath of the Lich King. I think it's powered by nostalgia and the newness of it. But if you go back and just look at it like a video game, it is not enjoyable until uh, Wrath of the Lich King. So for our main topic today, I was thinking we could discuss just a little bit of the history of Codedom and how it got started. Because I think Codedom has a long and actually kind of interesting history that I don't necessarily, well, I don't know. Interesting is a relative word. But it has a long history that I don't know everybody knows the ins and outs of. It's, uh, I'm happy to to tell it. Yeah, so Steve, how did the idea to start Codedum, where did the idea to start Codedum come from? You know, we, we started off as this tech camp, you know, and our classes would just run as they would run in whatever ratios we had. And they were pretty big ratios, eight to one, 10 to one ratios. So often just one teacher per subject. And then as we grew and we brought on more and more staff and the leadership program came up, and I think we've talked about this on a previous podcast, uh, we um, just got better and better at teaching coding. And so we got to the point, and I, re- I remember it. I remember being right outside uh, in front of camp and a parent saying the words, well, where do we go now? And it just, and I never, it never even dawned on me before that to do something during the year. So um, I thought, oh, well, why can't we do this? And I reached out to my contacts at, at the college and um, said, can we rent a, a lab? And so that's what we did. And we uh, called it Codecraft. 
And I was like, that's clever. StarCraft was huge at the time. This is, well, it's not pre-WarCraft, of course, but, but all of that, right? StarCraft, WarCraft was such a big part of our lives. So I called it CodeCraft. It didn't start a business, just, you know, we're going to do this thing called CodeCraft, where it's just show up and learn how to code. And I think some of my early teachers were... First year was Nathan, Andrew Willis, Nathan and me. Andrew, right, 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 right. So, and we got the lab that was built in the old planetarium. They had this cool room that I loved. And one of the funniest parts of it was that these college computers, who were using the college's computers, would wipe anything that you downloaded on them. So part of the day was showing up a few minutes early and... Downloading Eclipse on all the computers. Right, real fast. Every time. <laughs> and uh, and it was doing fine. You know, it was great. We were still teaching in that three-to-one manner for the most part. My favorite thing about that room was when you stood right in the center of it. It had this crazy echo because of the, the shape of the, the dome ceiling. But I love that little room. It was in a different part of campus that was never an area we went to at camp. So it was like this whole other thing. This weird little drop-off place where you had to sort of meander through the building to get there and find the room. And then I went to see if I could trademark it, and sure enough, I couldn't. Uh, it was well taken. I forget what they were even doing, but I couldn't take it. And so one of the uh, little phrases that we had always joked around was cogito ergo sum, which plays off cogito ergo sum, which if you don't know what that means, it means I think therefore I am in Latin, of course. And so cogito ergo sum was I code therefore I am, which of course is not a real word. And so I thought, you know, and trying to think of in, in my in my genius, and it is genius, I think that is what I possess. Uh, I thought, well, what do we call this thing? I'm like, well, what about coditum, the form in which we code? I regret it to this day. <laughs> I regret it every day that someone I'm on the phone with and they say, um, is this codidum? Is this codidium? Uh, it's codidum? It's amazing. Codidum? People who have been customers for years don't say it right so that's been a little bit of a you know bane and so uh, uh you know um but here it is and and uh it has developed and changed be with the pandemic and all these things so um it definitely has a, a life of its own and it's uh, affected a lot of people at this point which is pretty cool <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us for this week's episode of the Summer Tech Podcast. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're interested in taking classes at Codetum, you can always register or find out more information at www.codetum.com. Thank you. Remember to... What am I asking them to? What's their call to action?